Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Well, how are we this morning? Y'all look amazing. Y'all look amazing. It's good to be with you this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah. And we'll begin reading in chapter 9 here in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 9. Who's excited about Christmas? Okay, about three of us. That's great. That's great. Sounds like some shopping still needs to be done. Some details still need to be prepared for. Well, I'm looking forward to Christmas and we are beginning a series today and it'll end the day after Christmas on the 26th. And the series is called His Name Shall Be Called. And what we're going to do specifically is we're going to look at the four names within the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. There's four names that are given to this Christ child, this, this child, this son that will be given. Let me, let me just kind of give you a heads up and we'll be promoting this later on through the weeks ahead, um, our schedule of kind of what to expect as a church. So the next few weeks, we're going to have our normal schedule. So uh, service at 8.30, this first service Sunday school at 9.45, and then our late service at 11 o'clock. That'll happen all throughout December except for the 26th. So the day after Christmas, December 26th, we will not have Sunday school, but we'll have one service combined together at 10 a.m., okay? So the Sunday after Christmas, one service at 10 in the morning, okay? And we'll begin promoting what's coming in the new year and, and the days ahead. And so I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up of what's happening the month of December. Also, each evening, we have some special music and Christmas celebration that we're having. Tonight, our children and youth choirs will be here at 530, and they'll be sharing some Christmas music and songs that they've been working on. So I invite you to come here at 530. Next week, we'll have Family Night in Bethlehem, where our kids, our children in the church, they dress up and they tell us the Christmas story. And we'll go to the gym and have a wonderful time of celebration and uh, cake and punch. And then on the 19th at 5.30 here in this room, many of you have attended this before, but we'll have our carol and candlelight service on the 19th. And so that's kind of what's coming. We're going to put that out on Realm and on our website. Just I just wanted you to be aware. But we're, we're starting this series called His Name Shall Be Called. Looking at the names of Jesus within that text. As we start today, I just want to ask some audience participation. You know that, um, how many of you have children? Raise your hand. How many of you have children? All right. You know, you know this. You know that when you name your child, that is a very important task. Would you agree with me? I mean, they're stuck with that name. All right. So if you mess it up, they're stuck. All right. They, they have to go by that name until they become an adult and they, if they want to change it, they can, but it's an important task. Let me give you a few examples. What you name your baby when your baby's born. Some people name their child after, uh, after a family member. So for example, my son, his name is Cannon Chapel. He's named after my paternal grandfather. My paternal grandfather was what is one of, was one of my heroes in life. And I always wanted my son, if I had one, 
to be named after him. So we named him Canon Chapel. How many of you, audience participation, how many of you are named after some family member, whether that's your first name or middle name? All right, so, so a few of us, all right, that's great. How many of you named your children after you or someone in the family? All right, yeah, so people use family names to name their children. Here's another thing that people do when they pick names. Um, they, they use biblical names, right? They choose, they choose biblical names when they name their children. They may name their kid James, Rebecca, Isaac, Joshua, Sarah, Hephzibah, Nimrod, right? All right, so they, they use those biblical names to, to name their children, all right? How many of you are named after some biblical name? All right? Yeah. Yeah, so you, they might look through the scriptures or do some searching and find out the meaning of those biblical names, and they may name their children after someone in the Bible. There's also these rules. There's also these rules that no one ever tells you about until you're pregnant and you begin to think about naming your kid. For example, if you or your spouse... However long ago that may have been, if you or your spouse ever dated someone with that name and you broke up, you're not going to name your children that, right? Okay? That's a rule. That's a rule. You cannot do that. I'm going to step out on a limb here. Any teachers in the room? Teachers? Ex-teachers? That one child that wanted to cause you to retire daily, you are not going to name your child after that young man or young lady. This whole naming thing can take a lot of effort, and it's really important, especially when you realize that names have specific meanings. You have to think through first names, middle names. How long is that going to be? How short is that going to be? What is their first name that they'll be called by and their last name going to sound like together? It's like the family who called their daughter Eileen Wright. That'll, that'll land on you here in a minute, all right? Eileen Wright, Okay. You'll get, you'll get it later. So you can see that this naming thing is important. It's really important. So you got to be careful when you name your kids. But as we look at Isaiah, this Old Testament prophecy, as we go through this series, we're going to look at the four names, four names of Jesus. These names are names that will define who he is and what he will do and what he will accomplish this prophecy that we're going to read in the book of Isaiah, um, this prophecy is, was given some 700 years before he was born. In a time where there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of hardship, a lot of fear. And so as we look at Isaiah chapter 9, I want to invite you to stand as we read God's word together. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1. And as we read it, I want you to try to consider and think about as the people heard this prophecy, how did they receive it? Let's read. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. 
for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now this is a very familiar verse to you. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You may be seated. So as I said, I want to look at the prophetic title of Jesus that he would be called today. We're going to look specifically at he shall be called wonderful counselor. What does that mean for Jesus to be called wonderful counselor? Now, before we get to that, let's, I want to take just a few moments to understand the prophecy more because I think as we do that, it'll, it'll magnify and elevate and, and the beauty of his name even more so if we understand this prophecy. So let's first look at the prophecy of the child. The, the prophecy of the child. Keep your copy of scripture open and I'm going to have you turn to some other places here in just a moment. I want you to look at verse six and seven of Isaiah nine. Verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah 9. He says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given. So what's happening here is God in His grace is going to give this world a special child. He's going to give this world His Son. A son. Now when we hear the word son, this is more than a gender reveal announcement. This is, when, it, when, when they read this prophecy, and I want you to consider this, this was king language. They're talking about a king. And these people, when they received this prophecy from Isaiah, this would take them all the way back to what was spoken to David. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Hold your place in Isaiah. David was a great king. You probably remember this. David had this nice mansion, this, this massive house, and he looked and he noticed that God was in the tabernacle. He's saying, God is in the tabernacle and I have this amazing home. And so basically what he says is, God, I want to do you a favor. I want to build you a house. I'm in, I'm in this house. I want to build you a house. You've been so good to me. Let me build you a house. And God's going to respond to him and say, no, 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 no. You're not going to build me a house. I'm actually going to build you a house. Listen to what he says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled... And you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. 
For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Keep reading. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I look at, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So it's, it's these words that are given to David. God says, David, I'm going to give you a house and from you, from, from your line is going to come a whole line of kings. Some of those kings are going to be really good and some of those kings are going to be really terrible. And I'm going to discipline those who reject me and my, my counsel and do what I ask them to do. But there will be one king. There will be one king that comes from you unlike all other kings. And I'm going to establish His rule and His reign forever. He will rule and reign forever and bring rest from all enemies. This is the great promise that God would give a Son. And that Son would establish a kingdom that would rule and He would rule and reign forever. Now, back to Isaiah chapter 9. Notice what he says in verse 7. As we think about his rule and his reign, notice what he says in verse 7. The government will be on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Increasing peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from the time, from this time forth and forevermore. He's going to establish a kingdom. We're not just talking about a king. We're talking about a kingdom. This is, this is king language when we read that prophecy. And that kingdom will be one of righteousness and, and justice. One of increasing perpetual peace as He reigns forever and ever and ever. Now if you look back at verse 4 and 5. He says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here's what he's saying. I want you to hear this as we think about the king in this kingdom. He's going to put an end to all oppression. He's going to put an end to all war. He's going to pile up every weapon of war, every garment of war into a big pile and He's going to set it ablaze and put an end to it all. So this King, this Son, He's going to reign forever and ever and the increase of His peace, there will be no end and it will cover the entire earth. As we think about these words, like like the people when they received this prophecy, Isn't that the news we need to hear today? Isn't that the news this world needs to hear? A world full of chaos, of violence, of war, of oppression, of murder. 
It's the way the world has been ever since the serpent lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. They chose to believe his lie and it plunged the world into sin and suffering and violence, anger and death and cruelty. And that's the way it's been. And that's the way it will be until this king returns. And our hope, our hope, the hope of Christmas is in this king. It's not in government. It's not in militaries. It's not in, not in a nationality. It's in this king. A king that will come and rule and reign forever. So that's a little bit about the prophecy of the child. Now I want to, I want to do a spoiler alert. Let's just get it out there. Let's talk about the identity of the child. The identity of the child. Who is this child that's going to be given? Who is this son? Who is it talking about? Come on, who's it talking about? Jesus. This is, this is that king. This is the child that would be given and the, the son that would be born. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. An angel comes and makes this announcement to Mary to let this virgin teenager know that the Spirit of God is upon her and, and, and she will conceive in her womb this child. Now, I, I know this is kind of a new thing maybe for, for most of us. How many of you, when you um, were um, expecting a child, sent out a birth announcement? Did anybody send out birth announcements? Okay, that's more second service, a lot of, okay. Um, I, I, when we had our children, yeah, we didn't do that either. It was just like, we're, here's your kids, you know. Um, we didn't do an announcement. But I want you to listen to Matt, uh, Luke chapter 1, okay. Luke chapter 1, you, you read this every Christmas, most of you do. I want, I want these words to land on you and listen to the language that we've also been talking about in the book of Isaiah and in 2 Samuel. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. So this is the announcement to Mary. And the angel said to her, Luke 1, 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. There's the child, the son that would be given. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. We read about that. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Do you see the language of the prophets that, that we've just been looking at in this announcement? amazing language and that prophecy that we're reading in isaiah chapter 9 is some 700 years before this event would even take place this is the son the promised king of the most high god this is the one who's going to take up his throne take up the throne of his father david this is the one who's going to have a kingdom that will never end what an amazing birth announcement Amazing birth announcement. And Mary receives this news. You're going to have a kid and he's going to rule and reign over all things forever and ever and ever. And so Jesus is born. He's born of a poor virgin Mary. 
this teen in a small Judean town. He grows up in obscurity. And this is the one, this is the king, this is the child that will make all things new. This is Jesus. The king of the Jews. It's him. So now let's move into kind of the what we're talking about with this series. We've seen the prophecy of the child and the identity of the child. Now I want to look at the character of the child. More specifically, we're going to look at what he'll be called. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Here he's given a name. But this name is unlike any other name that will be given. One thing about his name is that it's going to indicate something about him and what he will do and accomplish. It indicates that he is divine. There's something really unique about this child. He's unlike any other child. There's never been one like him and there will never be one to come after him like him. Now as we think about these words, he shall be called wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. The the two English words come from two Hebrew words. The word wonderful, the Hebrew word is pele. Not Pele, not the soccer player. Alright? Pele. This word, listen to the, listen to the meaning of this Hebrew word. This word, I, when Isaiah is going to describe the one day savior of the world, Jesus, this, this child, this king, he didn't have words to describe him. This word, Pele, means beyond understanding. There's not words in the dictionary. These, there's, there are no words great enough to tell you just how wonderful and awesome and amazing and marvelous and miraculous He is. There's no words that can describe Him. He's wonderful. Pele. He's too wonderful for words. Now the Hebrew word for counselor is Ya'atz. Ya'atz. So he's Pele Ya'atz. Ya'atz is the word, the, the word translated as counselor. It means to advise, to consult, to give guidance, wisdom. And so one day, a child will be born, a, a son will be given, and his name shall be called Pele Ya'atz. There's not words to describe him. Better yet, there's no words that can explain or describe how wonderful and marvelous and amazing His counsel, His wisdom really is. He will be the wonderful counselor. He is God in the flesh. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And yet, He knows you. He is a wonderful counselor. He cares for you. He understands exactly what you're going through. He is a wonderful counselor. I love the way it's described in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. As we think about him being called wonderful counselor, Pele, Ayaats, 
For we do not, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one wonderful counselor, this child, this son that will be given, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence... Because He is the wonderful Counselor, because He's a high priest who understands what you're going through, He understands, He is a wonderful Counselor, let us then with confidence approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Our high priest, our wonderful Counselor, His name is Jesus He was tempted in every way that we're tempted, yet He was without sin. He understands your pain. He understands your hurt. He has experienced life as you have experienced. And that's why in verse 16 it says that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you can receive mercy and grace in your time of need. The good news. The good news of Christmas. The good news. Is the one, is about the one who is here to help. He is Pele Yaats, the wonderful counselor. As we continue to think about his counsel, his wisdom, how amazing and miraculous and marvelous it is. I want to just read some scriptures to you. Life giving. As we're connecting these dots, consider his counsel and his wisdom. Psalm 147 5. His understanding is beyond measure. Jeremiah prays, and he prays to the great and mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts, the one great in counsel and mighty indeed. Daniel, he wrote this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells in Him. Romans 11, 33-36. I love when Paul, he writes about the wisdom of God. He he writes about this and when when he does, it moves him to praise and adoration. You've read these scriptures. Listen to this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgment and untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has ever first given to Him and has to be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. If you, if you want to look back in our, uh, uh, in our book of Isaiah, later on in chapter 28, verse 29, Isaiah writes this. This comes from the Lord of hosts. Here it is. He's wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. When it says that he's a wonderful counselor, Pele Yaats, he's brilliant. He is brilliant and unlimited in His wisdom. There is none more wise 
than He. As we think about us for a moment, we seek counsel in all kinds of ways, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we seek counsel in, should I take this job or should I leave this job? We take counsel and seek wisdom of, should I marry this man or should I marry this woman? How do I break the power of this sin in my life? How do I raise a child or wandering from the faith? Why am I facing this disease? What should I do with my money? How should I handle parenting? How do I grow in my marriage? Where should I go to school? The list goes on and on and on. We're constantly seeking counsel and advice and wisdom. We look for someone to give us wisdom and counsel. And yet, many times, we seek the counsel and the wisdom of others and the world and we neglect to seek counsel from the most wonderful counselor. And when we do so, it's to our own sorrow. There is no one more wise or wonderful in counsel and wisdom. Dallas Willard in the book, The Divine Conspiracy. Great book. He writes the following about the wisdom of Jesus. I probably could have just read these few paragraphs and been done with the sermon. Amazing writing. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably sitting there going, well, why didn't you? Listen to what Dallas Willard writes about the the wisdom of Jesus. Beautiful words. At the literally mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He could create matter from the energy that he knew how to access from the heavens right where he was. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death of life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weather patterns, eliminate unfruitful trees without saw or axe. He only needed a word. Surely, he must be amused at what Nobel Prizes are awarded for today. In the ethical domain, he had an understanding of life that has influenced world thought more than any other. Death was not something imposed on him by others. He explained to his followers in a moment of crisis that he could at any time call on 72,000 angels to do whatever he wanted and plainly said, nobody takes my life. I willingly lay it down. All these things show Jesus' cognitive and practical mastery of every phase of reality, physical, moral, and spiritual. And here's the point of why he's writing this in this book. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He is not just nice. He is brilliant. He is the smartest man who has ever lived he goes on to write he is now supervising the entire course of human history while simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it he always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matter most in this human life jesus he is the most brilliant person that ever lived child would be given 
A son will be born. His counsel is marvelous and wonderful. He's the omniscient one. He is Pele Yaetz, the wonderful counselor. So let's apply this. Let's, let's put, put it to us. Let's, let's consider two things for just a moment, and I'm done. Stick with me. The first application for your life is this. Don't harden your heart to His Word and counsel. Don't harden your heart to His Word and His counsel. His counsel is wise. It's marvelous. But it is also, as you full well know, it's challenging. It can be difficult. It can be confrontational. If you tune your ear to the counsel of Jesus, you read the Word of God, it will challenge you. It will confront you. But it's wise. And if there's something that I could give you this morning, you have to die to your desire to only agree with the things that Jesus says that line up with what you want. We have to die to that. We can't come to wonderful counselor and only do or agree with what we want. Don't harden your heart to his word and his counsel. This kind of logic is not only unwise, it's perverse and offensive. Isaiah highlights this horror of relying on other sources for comfort and wisdom. In Isaiah 8, 19, it says, And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Plainly, why do we seek Wisdom from this world when we have Jesus. I love what one writer put. He said it this way. The world and all its wisdom will feed you for the day and starve you for eternity. Instead of bringing light and life, it puts the shade, it pulls the shade and shuts the door, leaving you and all your questions sitting in the dark. Why would we entrust our deepest, most sensitive, most complicated concerns of this life to Google and self-help books? To people, to the world that rejects Christ, that doesn't know Him. Why would we do this when we have the ear of the wonderful Counselor? Are we more wise? Maybe we don't see him as wonderful counselor. Maybe we do this because we really don't want to be confronted with the reality of who we are because the counsel, the wisdom of Jesus is going to confront you. It's going to challenge you. Here's the reality. You will have to die to what you want so that you can have what is wise. You will have to die to what you want to have what is wise. Jesus is a wise counselor. Don't harden your heart to his word and his counsel. Here's the second thing and then I'm done. His counsel, his wisdom is perfect. It's perfect and it will prevail. 
His counsel in the sense of His decrees, His plans, His purposes, what He determines for His glory and for the good of His people will prevail. It's always wise. It's always right. It's always good. Listen to how the Scripture puts it. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. The purpose of the Lord, His decrees, His will, His design. Ephesians 1.11 In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works, all things according to the counsel of His will. His purposes will prevail. His counsel, His purpose, His plans, what He determines to do for His glory and your good will succeed. It will prevail and it's wonderful. It's good. It's marvelous. It's always right. And it's always good. Now you may be sitting there and thinking to yourself, as I look around the room and just see who I'm looking at, I know some of you are sitting there and you're in dark days. You've walked through some challenging times and difficult circumstances. You right now might be sitting there going, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but right now it just doesn't seem beautiful. Doesn't seem good. It's painful. It's confusing. It's difficult. When you're in the midst of calamity, struggle, loss of a loved one, cancer, fear, anxiety, doesn't sound like wonderful to me. Sounds terrible and painful. And all I am is hurting. There's nothing miraculous or wonderful about His wisdom at all. Have you ever been there? You ever walked through those waters? I know you have. I've got a family friend walking through those waters right now. Driving home from Thanksgiving break in my mom's in Lubbock. It's Saturday. The day after Thanksgiving on Friday. One of my childhood friends, 43 years old, died of a massive heart attack that fast. His mom, sister, his friends, co-workers, they're walking through that right now. You've been there. You know that struggle. Maybe you're there in this moment, just pain, frightening, fear. But I want to encourage you today that in the end, when all is said and done, when the smoke clears and the dust settles and you're finally with your Redeemer, you'll see the full picture and it will be stunning. It'll be breathtakingly beautiful and wonderful and marvelous. His will, His ways, His perfect plan is for your good. And I want to say to you, if you're in the midst of what feels like chaos, know this. His purposes for you are wonderful. He has not forgotten you. He knows your name. He's a wonderful counselor. You may not see it or feel it at this moment. You may be struggling to believe it, but trust Him. Trust Him. And from the depths of your soul and your being, Cry out these words. I'm going to let the name of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, that name, inform my circumstances 
and not let my circumstances lead me to draw conclusions about the nature and character of Jesus. He is Pele Yaats, wonderful counselor. And in the midst of it, it's painful, but when it's all said and done, his counsel, his plans, his purposes prevail. And they are indescribable and they are for your good. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it instructs us. I thank you for how it meets us right where we're at. Lord, I know that there's some of us in this room this morning. There's some of us that have never heard this news that that you, God, sent your one and only son, Jesus, to come and to die and to pay the price for their sin, for our sin. Lord, this morning, they've they've heard about who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict them and draw them to yourself. There's others in this room. Lord, they've submitted to you as Lord and Savior, but they're walking through some difficult days. They're struggling. They're hurting. God, I pray this Christmas, today, this very moment, they would experience and cling to the very name of Jesus as wonderful counselor. That you are good in all your ways. That your purposes and plans are perfect. And God, for all of us in this room, I pray that we would submit to the counsel and wisdom of Almighty Jesus, our King, Lord, in the areas of our lives where we're, where we're neglecting to submit to you, I pray that we would gladly lay down our lives and die to what we want so that we can have what is wise. Help us to be your people. We thank you for this time of year where we celebrate who you are, Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I'm down here at the front. We have other pastors available to speak with you, to pray with you. The altar's open. You can pray where you're at. Let's stand together and respond with our song of invitation. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.